For quite a while, we've now got to the 23rd chapter of, of Matthew. We're chronologically, we're in the last week of, uh, of Christ's uh, life. He's, he's, he's headed toward uh, the end of the week with his crucifixion, where he will give his life as a, as a payment for the sins of the world and the burial and then the resurrection on the first day of the week. So we're, we're moving toward the end of that last week of his life. We have seen the, the intensifying of the, of the uh, uh, interrogations and of the uh, kind of confrontation by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, those religious leaders, uh, they, as they have really sought to, uh, to trick Jesus, to trap him, to get him to say something or do something that they, could, they, that they would then use against him to, to justify that, his execution, to get rid of him. And that he has answered their questions, their, their, their tricks, and, their, their, and all the things. And now they are silent. And as we move into the 23rd chapter of Matthew, they are silent. And Jesus, though, still now is addressing the multitudes and particularly his disciples. And as we get to this 23rd chapter, Jesus has saved some of his harshest words for the religious leaders for this chapter. Matter of fact, in this chapter alone, seven times Jesus is going to call them hypocrites. Five times he's going to call them blind gods. That don't sound good at all to me. Two times he's going to call them uh, fools. Now, and, and that's a harsh word. It's a word growing up. Dad would never let us call, if we, got, if we were arguing with each other, he'd never let us call anybody a fool. Um, and he would spank us for that. We could call them dummies, uh, but not fools. So Jesus, but Jesus twice in this chapter, he calls them fools. And then one time he refers to these leaders as a, a den of snakes, a brood of vipers, he calls them. Some harsh words. And as I looked at this, it became really apparent to me as, as we go into this chapter that there are some lessons to be learned from hypocrites. So that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. Lessons learned from hypocrites. Now, it is at the men's conference just a, a, a week or so ago that we were reminded of, of the definition of a, of a hypocrite. Shakespearean, they would say it was a, a play actor or a, a person, a stage actor, a person who would put a different mask over his face to play a different part. But in a practical definition of a contemporary definition for the word hypocrite, when we most often hear it talked about with religious people, what, what, are, we, what are we saying? What, what, what does it mean? Huh? Phony. Phony. What else? Two-faced. Huh? False. Pretend. Deceived. Wow. These are good words. First service, somebody said, talking out of both sides of your mouth. And it, it reminded me of a joke about an Alabama boy and a girlfriend, but I'm not going to go about that. Uh, but but this, this hypocrisy. Uh, and and as, we, as we look at this this morning, walk through this, we're going to look at the first 12 verses of this chapter. And, 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 and this first verses, as, as he's just beginning his conversation, it, to me, it just, it's really glaring. It, they jump off the page at us uh, of these uh, three lessons that I want us to look at this morning that we can learn uh, 
from these. Matter of fact, the, 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 let me pray and then we'll, we'll go walk in it. Father, we thank you this morning that as we, as we look at what uh, Christ is saying, Lord, that we learn uh, from the, the bad examples, that we learn from the good examples, Lord, that Christ gives us. And Lord, that we, I pray that, uh, that we would be attentive, that we would have hearts and minds and ears that long to hear what you're saying to us. Now, Lord, you be, let your Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Christ I pray. Amen. It says, Then spoke Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, is it interesting? And it's, it's interesting that Jesus begins this uh, teaching by reaffirming the, uh, the authority that has been placed in them. Moses, the lawgiver, and indeed in, in Moses' writings, he would, he would uh, uh, set, us, set apart the teachers, the priests and the teachers of the, of the law as being able to communicate God's word. And so Jesus never questions the authority with which these, these men speak, but he questions their integrity. And let's look at it. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them even with one of their fingers." So the first thing that Jesus says, hey, these men are sitting in positions of authority to teach you God's word. Listen to what they're saying, but don't do what they're doing. So the first lesson I think that, we, that, that just is very clear is that as believers, we need to live what we believe. Another way of saying it is we need to practice what we preach, right? We need to practice what we, 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 what we preach. Um, it's so, it's so apparent, and that's what he was saying here about these leaders. He said, listen to what they're telling they're, they're, they're The words that they're teaching with authority and authority is given to them, but they're teaching this, and they're not doing it themselves. And their actions speak so loud. Sometimes there are, there are, our actions speak louder than their words. Jim uh, was, I appreciated the prayer of Jim Powell, and Jim was talking about how that, that our, we are by example and by what we do. It's powerful when our words and our walk match and when they're agree together. That sends a message that's strong and that's sure. Sometimes someone said that we need to, if we're going to walk, uh, talk the talk, what is it? Then we need to walk the walk. Yeah, there's a, there's a, our, our words matter, our actions matter. There's a verse in James that puts it really, really, really well. In James chapter 1, Verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. Now, look at this. What, what's, what's this. what does it mean to deceive ourselves? What's that mean? Deceive. Huh? Think we're doing it. Fool ourselves. Don't fool yourselves. What else? Where, the, where does the deception come in? 
The deception comes in here. James is very, he's, he's one of those very down-to-earth, practical guys. He just get up in your face, you know, with, with real stuff, you know. And uh, you, you want to preach James a good sermon. James says, okay, but let's see what you're doing. Let's see how you're walking it out. And so this, look at this, this, this verse is powerful. We can hear the truth. We can know the truth. And it's important. It's important that teachers and that pastors and that preachers, it's important to preach the truth. It's important to hear the truth. It's important to know the truth. But you can hear the truth. You can even know the truth. But if you're not living the truth, you're a hypocrite. You need to, we're deceiving ourselves. He said, if you think that just by knowing it, and if you think just by hearing it, you're okay, you're deceiving yourselves that we need to be doers of God's word. Every, almost every Thursday morning in our men's Bible study, and I'm sure the same thing happens on, on, on Thursday evening with the ladies, is we, as we look in God's word and on Sunday morning, if we look in God's word, not so that we will just know more, but so that God's word will get in us and be a part of us and it will grow us and change us so that we're walking out God's truth as, as believers. Matter of fact, that uh, reminded me of a, of a, of a poem that I'd heard many, many, heard part of many, 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 many years ago and I rounded it up. It's called Sermons We See. By Edgar Guest. Listen, listen, it says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Heard a lot of amens out there on that, right? I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell me the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. This is me. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Wow. Just kind of file that away over here under conviction. So the first lesson we learn that Jesus is telling us is don't be like the hypocrites. Live what you believe or practice what you preach. Let's look on. He says, but of all their works they do, verse 5, to be seen of men. They make broad, what is that, phylacteries? Enlarge their borders of their garments. Love the uppermost rooms at the feast. The chief seats in the synagogues. They love when somebody hollers at them in, in Ingalls and Walmart and calls them master and teacher and rabbi. But be not... I'm getting glasses on sorry. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all are your brethren... And call no man your father on the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, what, what's he saying? He's not, Jesus is not prohibiting us from calling our daddy's father. It's not what he's saying. 
What he's saying is, 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 is there's nothing wrong with a title of respect. But what he was saying is that these people, these leaders, these leaders were, were, had, had got to the place of where their positions of authority that they were put in mattered more that they carried on this facade. It mattered more that they carried on this outward appearance. They were image keepers. And, it more, and they lived more for what men said than what God said. So the second lesson we learned, first one was we need to live what we believe. And the second one is that we need to live to please God and not men. Because he says everything they did, they did it to be seen. They did it to be seen of other men. And we're, we're to live to bring glory to God. Matter of fact, in everything we do, Jim was talking about uh, opportunities to serve to, for outreaches. Uh, and everything we do is ministry. Whether we're over at the cottage packing up a box of food to take out to a car to help feed a family for a week. Whether we're at a closet and you're, you're bagging up a bag of clothes to help a, a, a family clothe their kids so they're warm in the winter. Whatever we do, you maybe you're at the soup kitchen and you're, you're just serving food. Whatever we do, I think 1 Corinthians 10, 22 Puts it, puts it this way, and it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. He said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, that makes it, right? Whether we're at school, whether we're on the job, whether we're on vacation, whether we're at home, whether we're away from home, whether we're, wherever we are, everything we're doing is to be a reflection, what? To the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? We want our lives to bring Him glory, not us. What does that mean? Honor Him, Penny. It's a good way. It's a good word. It means to honor Him. It's a reflection of His character. Jesus says these, these religious leaders, these hypocrites, want to bring honor to themselves. But he said, that shouldn't be you. You don't need to, you, you be careful that you're not saying one thing and do another. You need to live what you believe. Be careful that as you walk that out, that what that looks like is that you're walking it out to please God and not to be seen and to get your attaboys or your pats on the back from people. And there, there's one scripture that Jesus says, if you do that, if you give, if you do your alms to be seen a man, then you've got your reward when men see you, right? But he said, don't, don't, don't be like that. He says, do what you do in secret and let God be glorified and he'll reward you openly. Well, there's more. There's a couple more. One more lesson I want us to learn and a couple more verses. Jesus continues and he said, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, but he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We're to live what we believe. We're to practice what we preach. We're to live to, bring, to be pleasing to God, not to get glory from men. And we're to live in humility. We're to live in humility. And, and Jesus walked out these examples before us. And, and none any greater, and I love this, and one thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ 
is he not, he didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us. He, he shows we walk this out. I, I, I love, is it Philippians? I think it's in Philippians first chapter. Where it talks about when Christ came, that he, he, he even though he was God, he didn't, he didn't claim that, right? He, instead, he came, took upon himself flesh and blood and came and humbled himself, it says, and became obedient even to the death of the cross. So Jesus came as his servant. It would, it would be through all his ministry, and then it would culminate, I think, in, the, in this last night that they shared the Passover meal together, the night of his betrayal. And Scripture tells us that that night, as they prepared the Passover in the upper room, and they came in the room, and there, there was, uh, there was a, the, the, the meal was set, the preparation, and at the door was the, the basin, the pitcher of water, and the basin uh, to, to have their feet washed with the towels. But they came in, and there was no servant at the door, and everybody came in and went on sitting around the table, and I, I don't think it was, I don't think Jesus said, oops. I don't think Jesus ever had to say, oops, I didn't think about that. Messed up there. It was by design. Everything he does is by design. Everything he does in your life. We may say, oops, a lot. And sometimes we may say, Jesus, I don't understand what you're doing here, right? Things are going on, and Daryl was sharing through tough times. And Daryl's in one of those times right now as, as a pastor where his dad has had a serious stroke. And, uh, and, and, and they're dealing with that, and the family's dealing with that, and they're praying for that. And, and you're going through tough times. And if you're not, you may have just come out of one. And I don't want to alarm you. If, if God just, you may be going into one. We don't know. We none of us know. But what we, what we see is that Jesus does everything by design, and he's got you. He's got what's going on in your life. He knows where you are. He loves you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to freak out when you mess up. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I trusted him. Look what they did. He's got you, man. He loves you. He loves you. And so Jesus didn't mess up, but they file in. Here's all the disciples file in, and they're, and, and they're sitting around the table, and I imagine they probably think, well, it's, this is pretty, this is awesome. It's nice. But their feet, and they kind of put their feet away from him, and, you know, and they're there thinking, eh, maybe I should have washed that. Maybe they're thinking, but all of a sudden, the room gets pretty quiet when Jesus gets up and he goes over to, to where the wash basin is and begins pouring the water into the basin. And I imagine the first thoughts of some said, he's going to wash his, he's going to wash his feet. He's going to, he, maybe I ought to wash mine. But that all changed quickly when Jesus grabbed the towel and began to wash their feet. And I imagine that sucked all the oxygen out of the room. It's just like, and they didn't know what to say. They, they, were, they didn't know what to say. Probably, and, and, and when it got to Peter, he notoriously says all the wrong things, right? You can't wash my feet. You, you, you can't. You're the, you're, the, you're, the, you're the big, you're Jesus. You're the master. Man, that's the servant's job. You're not, you're not you can't wash my feet. I don't feel, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not worried if you wash my feet. You can't wash my feet. And, and Jesus didn't coddle these guys too much. I mean, you know, he could have said, oh, Peter, that's so, that sounds so sweet. That's so nice. I wish everybody else had had that same attitude here. Let me, you know what he said? Peter, if I don't wash your feet, 
then you don't have anything to do with me. Well, Peter said, oh, hey, hey, when you get through my feet, how about my hands, my face? Wash me, man. Give me a bath. If that's what it takes, Jesus says, no, your feet will do. He washes the rest of them. And then I can imagine him going over, opening the door and throwing the dirty water out. Sitting back down and cleaning the bowl out. And he says, now, man, do you know what I've done? He taught greatness. He who would be greatest among you, let him be your servant. Let him be your servant. That's how he came. One occasion, Jesus said, I come to do the will of the one who sent me, the Father. He said, I didn't come to do my own thing. He learned humility. He taught humility. He walked humility. He lived out humility. There's some lessons that we can learn from, uh, from these hypocrites. One is, is that we need to learn to live what we believe, practice what we preach. We need to learn to live to bring glory to him and not to receive glory of man. Thirdly, we need to learn to live in humility. There, there's something about, let me just say this. There, there is uh, something about walking in humility that is amazing to me. And, and this, is, this, is, this is just my observation. This is me. But I have noticed that those who, who lose themselves in serving, okay, that those who just can delight themselves, they're, they're the ones who... You know, they seem to, they seem to notice. There was a first service, there's a, a lady, a couple, and uh, uh, Jim and Gwen Breeze. And before service, Gwen had, had done something this week, particularly notable. It really was to me, but not to many. And I don't know, know if anybody else, and nobody else probably knows. And I, I said to Gwen before service, I said, what you did was timely, and it was powerful, and it was done in such an awesome way. She said, it was nothing. It was little. I didn't do it to be noticed. I said, no, I know. She said, it was just, what was she say? She said, it was, just a, it was just a little, I'm a little thinker, is what she said. She said, I'm just a little thinker. But it's, in those, it's those little acts, getting the coffee, washing the feet, serving others. Uh, I love, and I know I love when we have get-togethers and we're going to have a, we'll have a covered dish. And I, I, when there wasn't so many of you, I loved being last. Now you just have to wait. The time the first ones are through, they were going back through again. But I, I love getting people in front. And, and it had ulterior motives. You know, if, if, you're, if you're going through the food line, or if people don't take much to start with because they think, well, there's not, there's not a lot of food and there's a lot of people here. So I'll just get, you know, I'll get, a, I'll get a half a wing, you know. And so if you're kind of at the end of the line, there's three or four big chicken breasts laying there and a leg, you know, and you think, man, everybody's eating. And so you just, you know, you get what's left. Uh, that, that was just all, you know, that, but I've grown beyond, I've really, really gone through that. But beyond that, but it's those that are willing, somebody, one preacher put it this way. He says, the more you take a back seat, the more the back seat becomes a front seat. Because those who put others first are given a place of honor that can never be taken away. Wow. I think that when you've learned to walk in humility, You've learned the secret of real joy. And after first service, somebody came up and she said, you know, Jim, that's what these, these leaders were missing. That's what these religious leaders were missing. To them, it was all got to and no get to. 
I got to do this. I got to keep that. I got to obey this one. Craig's perspective on that, Craig Schreiner's perspective is, I get to do this. And it changes everything. When we get to serve, when we get to love, when we get to care. Learn the secret of joy. It's stress relieving. I wrote this down. It's stress relieving and contentment developing. I like that. You may not have any idea what that means, but for me, Bill, for me, that was, uh, that was like, yeah, that's what it does. That's what it does. Just relax. Relax. Serve. Minister. Enjoy what he's planned. Well, lessons we learn. We're just starting uh, this. We're going to stop here. As you get into the rest, of the, the rest of the chapter, there's a lot of woes here. <laughs> now, I'll just tell you, I remember Dad plowing with a, with a horse one time. I, I never did get, I, I still don't know uh, G and Ha. One of, I think G is right, but I'm not sure. Is right. G's right, Ha's left. But I know, whoa. Well, I, I, learned, I learned, whoa, okay. That means stop. So there's, there's several times Jesus is going to say, whoa. And we're going to stop and we're going to take, a, take note of those. But there's a lot of things we can learn, even from bad examples. And, one, and those are three things that we can learn this morning. Learn to live what we believe. Because what you live is what other people around you are going to think you believe. Okay? Because they're going to see. They're going to see what you believe. Learn to live what we believe. Two is, is learn to live to please God and not men. It may make a difference the way we walk or what we do. Thirdly is learn to live in humility. It's a secret of joy to be found in that. We're getting, I'm going to pray and then we're, the, the deacons are going to come and we're going to close our service this morning with some time at the Lord's communion table. And then I know that the Tanzania team has got a lot of spaghetti. They've told me twice how much they have, and they've told me twice how good it is. Okay? So if you haven't planned, there's, there's extra. You can eat in or you can take out. Okay? Either one. But let's, let's pray. Father, this morning as we, uh, as we just finished our time together, uh, I just want to thank you, Lord, for, for how real you are. And Lord, in Christ, that you don't just tell us how to live, but you walk it out and show us. You show us how to live in humility. You show us how to live by serving others. You show us how to live by, putting, by being willing to do the will of your will rather than my will. You remind us that really... <laughs> Our life is not about wrapped up in doing what we want to do when we want to do it the way we want to do it. I've, I've seen very few people, seen a lot of people try to live that way, but I've seen very few of them with joy. But it's when we live in humility, it's when we live to please you and, do, and realize that everything we do is to be a reflection of that. It's when we live what we believe and we're not just talking the talk, but we are walking the walk of loving and of caring. That you're glorified. And I thank you for that this morning, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray that you would just, just take the truths of, of your word and these lessons this morning. And if there's areas in our lives, it's kind of like David. 
Lord, when David said, uh, hey, examine me. See if there's anything that's displeasing to you. Lord, I know that's a, that's a pretty open-ended request, but I think it's a good request. Examine our heart. Examine my life. Especially in these areas of these three lessons this morning. Lord, am, am I walking uh, the talk? Am I living what I believe? Am I, am I living to please you? Walking in integrity. And Lord, am I living in humility of service? Speak to our hearts. And Father, I know that the Christian walk begins with a birth. It begins with a, a commitment to you. It begins with a realization that we, we, life is about more than just being put here to, to grab all the gusto we can. Life is about being put here to bring you glory. And, and you created us not just for this brief moment on earth, but you created us for an eternity with you. That's what your desire is. And it begins, Lord, when we come to the right realization and ask you to come into our hearts and save us. Change us. Make us more and more like your son. So it's my prayer, Father, that there are those here this morning that's never asked Jesus to come into their life. Lord, that they would do that. They would just get time with you and just say, man, I'm so tired of pretending. I'm so tired of fooling myself. I'm so tired of trying to please everybody. I, just, I need to please you. I want to walk with you. I want to trust you as my Lord. Lord, it's my prayer to do that right now. And as we come to share the communion of your body and your blood, what a great time to remember the example you said. It's an example of loving us, demonstrating your love for us by letting your son to die for us. Be pleased with our lives. In Christ I pray.